Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, joining you live on this Saturday morning, the 8th of July of 2023. Hope you're doing well. I certainly am. The pro-life work continues full force in so many ways. And it continues full force because we are believers in the word of life. We are believers in the gospel of life. We are inspired by that word. It is not only a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, it is the inspiration of our soul. It is the bread of life together with the Eucharist. The word is the living bread that we feed on each day. So we want to do that today with the gospel reading. And let's start by turning to the Lord in prayer. Now, as always, you can put in the comments uh, your own um, prayer intentions, anything at all that you would like our online community here to pray for. We at Priests for Life certainly pray for you every day. And our priests offer uh, their masses for you each day as well. And we uh, will continue to remember those intentions. Let's turn to the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you are the God who creates your people out of infinite love. And in a surprising and startling way, you announced through the prophets that you indeed would marry your people. And all throughout your word, Lord God, we see this promise of intimate union with you. You are not a God who is far away watching us from a distance. You want to be as close to us as we are to ourselves and even more. And forever. You will be our God. We will be your people. Scripture begins with marriage. Scripture ends with marriage. You create our first parents and unite them in the bond of marriage. And in the last page of the Bible, we see that the Spirit and the Bride say come and that the heavenly Jerusalem comes down of heaven, from heaven, beautiful as a bride adorned to meet her husband. The marriage union of you and your people, the marriage union of Christ and His church, Lord, enable us to live our marriage vows to you, to give ourselves completely as husband and wife are called to give themselves completely to each other. And in that giving, which is the meaning of love, may we find life today and forever through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, okay, and that is what I want to uh, develop as the theme today. Let's uh, read from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. The disciples of John approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old cloak with a piece of unshrunken cloth, for its fullness pulls away from the cloak and the tear gets worse. People do not put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skins burst, the wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. Rather, they pour new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. 
Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. Now, when he says the bridegroom will be taken away, of course, he's talking about his arrest in the garden and taken away to crucifixion and death and burial. But then, of course, he will be reunited with those disciples after the resurrection. This theme of Christ the Savior, our God, as the bridegroom, didn't start with him. In Isaiah, we have a prophecy that says, Your maker has become your husband. And in many of the other prophets, Hosea, for example, we see God speaking with this tender love for his people. We see, in fact, in the Old Testament, the sin of idolatry being um, going off to other gods other than the God of the covenant being described as adultery. Adultery against your one spouse who is God. It's a deep biblical theme. It arises again and again throughout the pages of the Old and the New Testament. Here we have it in the Gospel. And then, of course, St. Paul will describe and, 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 uh, and, and deepen this theme theologically when he writes to the Ephesians about marriage and he says it's a mystery, a sacrament, a sign of the marriage between Christ and His Church. And this is where we understand the characteristics of marriage. Why is it faithful? Why is marriage, in order to even be valid, a promise to be faithful to one person for all of life? Well, because it's reflecting the fidelity of God to His people and the fidelity of the Church to Him. Not that any member of the Church is incapable of sin, but that the whole church is not capable of departing as a whole from, uh, from God, from Christ. And as I said in the prayer, you follow this theme right to the very last pages of the Scriptures. Because when John looks and sees the heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, the people of God gathered around the throne of God and of the Lamb, he says, it was as beautiful as a bride adorned to meet her husband. The book, of course, at the, especially at the end, is talking about the longing of the bride for the bridegroom, the longing of the church for the return of Christ, the coming of Christ. And Scripture ends on that note. The Spirit and the bride, the church, the people of Christ, say, come. And Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. The culmination, the wedding feast. Of course, he has the famous parable of the wedding feast, a number of parables involving a wedding feast, talking again about what the kingdom of God is, this intimate, loving union of the people with Christ. That's why on the cross we can see that as the culmination of Wedding vows, I give myself to you completely. Here is love. Jesus laying down his life on the cross. Brothers and sisters, this also ties into the theme of life and our commitment to defending life. Because when God first created marriage, and he created marriage between one man and one woman, no polygamy, no gay marriage, one man, one woman, 
He commanded them at the same time to be fertile and multiply. And this command is part of what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. We're called to give life. We're made in the image and likeness of the God who pours Himself out within Himself in the Trinity eternally and then in time freely, He didn't have to do it, freely in creation pouring out life. Well, then He expects us, if we're made in His image, He expects us to pour out life generously. And the pouring out of life happens in many different ways. is physical fruitfulness, the spiritual fruitfulness, which is why priests are called Father. And it is one of the reasons why the church says yes to life. Because it's in the very nature, it's in the very foundation of who we are, our identity in Christ is to give life. Just as His purpose in His mission in coming to us, He said it clearly, I came that they may have life. To tolerate or to participate in the taking of life is as contrary to our vocation, and John Paul II said this, as to say that God is not God. Brothers and sisters, let's take from this reading the, the encouragement. That standing for life indeed flows from our very, it's not something added onto the faith, it flows from our very identity in Christ as the bride, the bride of the church, ready to receive the seed of the word, ready to reflect on it and then do as Mary did, because Mary is a sign of the church, right? Mary symbolizes the church receiving that word, submitting to that word, pondering it, and then doing what? Letting that word grow within her and then presenting Christ to the world. Is that not what we do every time? Not only we proclaim the gospel in so many different ways, but when we defend the unborn and when we can succeed in saving a life, we then, as it were, present that life to the world. And isn't it great when we're able to meet the children that we save? I've had that privilege. I'm sure many of you have had. Don't doubt that you're saving lives even if you don't end up meeting some of them, but sometimes we do meet some of them. And we are proudly standing before the world saying, look, this is why I did what I did. This is why I spoke up for life. This is why I sidewalk counsel. This is why I volunteered at the pregnancy center or started a pregnancy center. This is why I preached on, on abortion. This is why I wrote that article, posted that, that post on social media. This is why I'm pro-life. Look at the child. And we're presenting the child to the world. And there we have our witness to the gospel and our identity in Christ. There we have the fulfillment of who we are as the church as foreshadowed in Mary. It wasn't just the foreshadowing, it was the beginning. She, presenting Christ to the world, showing that the joy in the birth of Christ, and John Paul II says this in his encyclical, The Gospel of Life, the joy at the birth of Christ is reflected in the birth of every child. And in presenting that child to the world, we are, as it were, again presenting Christ, who is reflected, 
who is imaged in every child. Why is life a good, always a good? John Paul II asks in that encyclical. Why? Because it is indeed a manifestation, a revelation of the glory of God. This is why. This is who we are and this is why we are pro-life. I encourage you today in all your efforts, be louder than ever, be braver than ever, be more ready than ever to have that joy of once again presenting Christ to the world in every child that you save and that you advocate for. Let us pray. Father, we lift up to you the intentions of everybody uh, watching here today. We know that there are many challenges uh, that we face, whether they are health-related, financial, relationships, uh, decisions that have to be made, uh, encouragement that is needed, guidance that is sought, or perhaps uh, friends or family members who have gone off the track and, Lord, that we want to see come back. Forgiveness also of sin. We are pained by our past sins, but we are consoled in your Holy Spirit with the forgiveness of sin. Lead us forward today, Lord God, as we continue to give witness to life. Lead us forward as we continue to live our marriage vows with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, now, I don't have the controls right here in front of me this morning, but I'm going to go to the controls now, uh, and I want to show you a clip from, and, and this. I don't know if there's any other groups that have something like this, but Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was a key founder of the abortion industry in the United States, and then, of course, became pro-life, and he became a Catholic, loved the work that we do, because he had revealed, when he first became pro-life, that he and his colleagues who started the abortion industry counted on the silence of the clergy. And he said, if the clergy had spoken up, we would have never gotten away with starting the abortion industry. And that's why Priests for Life is so important. That's why he supported us. That's why we ask you to support us. Go to ProLifeGift.org and uh, give us a generous uh, help in order to do this work. You know, especially now, in the summer, uh, summer months, I've told you before, are, are hard for any, uh, any charity to bring in donations. Let's change that. Let's, let's support each other in this work. I'll show you this clip from Dr. Nathanson. And then from our pastoral associate, Dr. Teresa Burke, as well. She's going to talk about supporting Rachel's Vineyard. Because you know when you're supporting Rachel's Vineyard, you're supporting Priests for Life, it ends up being the same thing because uh, we are, uh, it is a ministry of ours. And so we are there for the, uh, uh, the foundation of support for Rachel's Vineyard. So let me show you those clips. Don't go away. And uh, then we'll talk to you, of course, live again tomorrow here on The Living Word. Talk to you soon. Priests for Life is an extraordinarily fine group.
Uh, and I, I don't say that in order to um, make anybody feel better or flatter anyone. Uh, it's, an, it's an unusual and a very unique group in that most of the priests whom I have encountered across this country and indeed around the world uh, shy away from the subject of abortion. They somehow want to keep it under the rug and only pull it out when they're ordered to. Uh, in my own experience as a Catholic convert for the last several years, um, I've attended a great many masses and listened to a great many homilies, and I think, believe in three years I've listened only to one homily on the subject of abortion, and that was here in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Other than that, priests seem not to want to talk about it. And Priests for Life is the Paul Revere of this whole gestalt, that priests for life are riding around trying to galvanize the rest of the clergy into getting engaged in what is one of the most appalling revolutions of the 20th century. And I am uh, enormously grateful to them and admire their work enormously, but unfortunately I believe that there are not enough, that priests for life should be should have a staff 20 times what it has now. Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priests for Life. The retreat model that I established for healing the trauma of abortion has grown throughout the world, serving hundreds and thousands of people in need. What began as a small husband and wife effort to help those who had suffered the loss of a child from abortion to heal in body, mind and spirit has evolved into an international ministry that is now paving the way for new psychological and spiritually integrated approaches for treating other forms of traumatic experience. Our national team conducts trainings of clergy, counselors, and retreat site leaders worldwide, but we rely only on your help to keep this worldwide ministry going. Your support literally turns lives around. Can you give a generous gift today? Please go to rachelsvineyard.org slash donate. Thank you and God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.